And to that uh, piece of shit lieutenant that's always uh, on his podcast, uh, bashing us, fuck him. <laughs>
and Daniel Penny and the two other males who are not charged. And we do not know why they are charged, why they are not charged, right? Because they should hold the same charge as Daniel Penny. If Daniel Penny is guilty of something, so are they too, because they acted in concert with Daniel Penny. So we don't know why they're not. But if they had perceived that something like that, an elderly woman was about to be struck, a woman, a child, there is threat of serious physical injury or death happening. Under that pretense, a police officer can shoot you. These men stood up into what, from the information we have at this point, to prevent a serious injury from happening. They stood up. We have not seen this on New York City trains where men stand up and attack homeless people who are going through a mental crisis. So under that pretense, they are more than justified to not only stand up and use self-defense, but to use deadly physical force if necessary. But again, I'm just going to go back and say, I don't believe that 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 was what the intention was. This case is completely politically charged and about political influence which is equivalent to domestic terror. This is an act of terror. It's domestic terrorism, if you ask me. And in regards to that, we need to understand that this case is going to spin on its head and spin on its tails. Why? Exactly what you just said. If three people were involved in a burglary, if two people went inside a house and committed that burglary while one person was outside as the lookout, all three would be charged with the same crime. I do not want those other two passengers that assisted in custody control of Jordan Neely and attempt to stop his perceived threats and to stop him from causing serious physical harm to others. However, if, if Daniel Penny is going to be charged, then those two should be charged just on the parallel as we would have a lookout for a burglary. Absolutely. We're missing numerous facts in this case. One highlight fact to go back to the beginning. They were detained originally. Witness statements were taken. They were detained originally. The detectives investigating the death of Jordan Neely did a conferral with the DA. They did a conferral with the district attorney's office. The district attorney's office released Daniel Penny and the other two males. What was that conversation? Why were they released? Why was Daniel Penny arrested days later? What is the procedure? for? What would normal procedure look like? What would standard operating procedure look like if an arrest was not made that day and we were seeking for a charge, Mr. Penny, down the road? What normally takes place? Absolutely. So great that you brought, it up, brought that up because what we're seeing now is not standard operating procedure. Normally, when the NYPD has their preliminary response, their preliminary investigation, and the onset of a case as this is such prolific, they would confer with the DA's office, which what did happen. There would be a conferral to discuss the parameters of the case, the preliminary investigation, and if the charges would be met or uh, appropriate to seek out an arrest. Do we have probable cause to make the arrest? However, in the aftermath of a case like this, in order to charge Daniel Penny, from my experience, there would be an indictment, which would be a grand jury of his peers in a closed room to make that decision if there should be a charge and if he should be arrested. What we're seeing right now is completely deviating from standard operating procedure. He was, yes, exactly. He was arrested days later without, uh, without the DA convening a grand jury, without the, without the evidence and witness testimony and possibly even, even, uh, Daniel Penny testifying in front of that grand jury to give his side of the story. And what we were told by the New York, by the, the Manhattan DA is that he didn't take it that route. He decided to arrest him and charge him later rather than seek an indictment because he didn't believe he would get an indictment. So then why is he arrested in charge if you don't believe he would get an indictment? What are we looking for now? 
What are the facts that we, we're, we're looking to have now that we didn't have initially when we let him go? And now, late days later, still doesn't believe that he could be, have him indicted. So why are we arresting and charging him? What are the facts? We don't know. Exactly. We haven't seen any transparency in regards to this case. Where are the witnesses? What do we know? We know that this was a packed train in New York City in a morning commute. And we know that there must have been a packed train car, at least 20 to 30 potential witnesses. And yet we have not heard the identity of any of these witnesses and exactly what they saw, what they heard, or what their perception was. Why? Exactly, exactly what we believe. We have to start asking questions. Why is this case not blind justice as we normally see? Why is the angry mob had, de had deviated a political justice system? This is a complete act of terror. What does this case come down to? Exactly what I've been saying. Black on blacks, crime, kill each other every day in the most heinous crimes, and we never see an outrage. But in regards to this case, Jordan Neely is black and Daniel Penny is white, and that's what this case ultimately is about. It's complete bias, it's complete discrimination, and it just go coincides with the political movement of this anti-police, anti-rhetoric, and also anti-white. If Daniel Penny was black, Jordan Neely remains black, Daniel Penny was not trying to help anybody that day. He put, if he put Jordan Neely in a chokehold and killed him, you would not hear a word about it. You might get an article this big. There would be no protest. There would be no outrage. Not a politician would speak on it. Nobody would say a word. And that is a fact. And you know what? Nobody would be calling for Daniel Penny to spend the rest of his life in jail. Not one person, not one politician, maybe just a family member of, of Jordan Neely, maybe just their family, but they wouldn't get it right. Because what we see in every day in New York City is victims of crime are denied justice over and over and over again. These district attorneys are upending our justice system and blurring the lines between what's right and what's wrong. And honestly, they're the most racist people out there because when black death is occurred, 86% of the time, when the, when the perpetrator is black, 86% of the time that blacks are killed, they're killed by other blacks. Jail's not the answer. Exactly that. What I'd like to see is if we could turn back time and we could change all the legislation, the laws that have have been implemented and affected the police department, affected our entire city, this case would never happen. If we didn't have the bail reform, if we didn't have raise the age, if we didn't coddle mentally ill, if we didn't coddle criminals, if we just let everything, if we didn't let everything slide as it used to be, then Jordan Neely and Daniel Penny would have never met on, in the train on this particular day. Why? Jordan Neely would either be in a mental hospital getting the care that he needs, or he would be in jail for the crimes that he has committed. Yes. Does he suffer from mental illness? Apparently he does. But everyone suffers from mental illness at different degrees. Some people suffer from chronic mental illness, and some people just have a bad day. Good people have bad days, and bad people have bad days too. And we need to address it appropriately. And if this was addressed appropriately, as it should have back before this legislation has come out in this complete woke movement, then these two would have not met. And Daniel Penny would not be uh, on trial for his life. And Jordan Neely would still be alive.
Absolutely. It's a complete failure in public safety. It's a complete highlight of the of the progressive ideology, the legislation, the policy they've implemented in the NYPD. It's full circle here. You have no police here for Tiffany Caban, for AOC, for the rest of you wackos in, in New York City Council, Congress and State Assembly who don't want the police. That is what happens when there's no police. That is the perfect example. You have untrained males left to deal with mentally ill people who, by the way, would not be on that train, like Eric said, if not for your policies. You failed. You failed Jordan Neely. You failed Daniel Penny. You failed all of those people on that train. You failed the 67-year-old woman that's orbital bones broke and did not receive justice because one year later, <clears throat> Jordan Neely still out on the street, unarrested. Unarrested, on an arrest warrant, walking around, but he's hopping turnstiles and he's loitering in a train station and he's harassing people in a train station and nothing left. This is your policy. This is your failure. The New York State penal law is based on laws that are a reasonable person for what they believe based on common sense standards. It's not a scientific method. Common sense would lead you to believe that Jordan Neely being a young male, if he strikes someone in their late 60s, particularly women, that he could cause serious physical injury and ultimately death. Now, is it tragic that Jordan Neely had, had passed and met his demise? Absolutely. But when you take part in this type of activity, you risk, you elicit a response, and you risk your own serious physical injury and death, just as you would if you were playing and you were involved in sports, combat sports, you were playing football, or you were involved in a combat sport, you would sign a waiver that says you risk serious physical, serious physical injury or harm or even death. And guess what? I believe that Jordan Neely partook in that type of, type of incident as well. He risked his life by taking part where he threatens women who he can cause serious physical injury or death. And he met his demise. It's unfortunate, but it is a byproduct of eliciting this type of response. And Daniel Petty stepped in in response of Article 35, which we have the right to defend yourself and defend others. Jordan Neely's action, coupled with the failure in public safety, caused his own death. That's without a doubt. Yes, it's horrible. He had mental illness. It's horrible that he passed away. I have members of my family that suffer from mental illness. Nobody deserves to die because we should sit there and let, uh, oh, this is, he's a victim of his mental illness. No, he could be a victim of his mental illness. That's true, but you don't need to be a victim of it. Innocent old women on the train don't need to be a victim. Nobody does. I applaud Daniel Penny and the other two men for standing up. I do not applaud the way that this whole situation is being handled by the media and our politicians. People need to start asking questions. You need to start asking them now. On that note, I'd like to say Sepify to Daniel Petty, and I just want to say this. If you step in to help someone or you help yourself, ask yourself, does that person have lighter skin than I do? If they do, then you're okay. If their skin is darker than yours, you may go to jail. Think about that. 265 Police Live, brought to you by New York's Finest Retiring on Filter Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in.